Welcome to the Amazon Legends podcast, where we have real stories about making it big on Amazon. Our guests are CEOs of large companies and entrepreneurs who became powerful sellers, also experts specializing in helping sellers, and both former and current Amazon employees who will give us an insight from behind the scenes. Here's your host, Nick Urison. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Amazon Legends. My guest today is a catalog marketing expert. And to the extent that he was actually mentioned on Seinfeld show when they were making a joke about how uh, much direct mail there is in the mailbox, he can tell you all about it uh, when he's giving us his background. But uh, he later turned e-commerce expert. And now it's all things about Amazon. Uh, he's He runs Phelps United. He's the president of Phelps United. So everybody meet my guest, uh, Adam Schaefer. Welcome to the show, Adam. Hello, Nick. And thanks for having me on your show. I love it. So before we start quickly, what is that Seinfeld deal that you had? Oh, man. I mean, so this is dating us for those. I mean, my kids don't even know what Seinfeld is, funny enough. So it's it's interesting how the world has changed and uh, demographics have changed. But when I, you know, when I was coming up in the industry, Seinfeld was the most popular show on television, you know, sure. for many years. And we at the time before the Internet um, took off and, you know, there was a commercial Internet there were catalogs and mailers and you would do direct mail to sell things. So we sold computer products for Macintosh and our company was called Mac Warehouse. It was a very large, very popular cataloger of Apple Macintosh products, accessories, and all the things that work with Apple. And we mailed so many catalogs to so many people each month that you had to get hit with one of our catalogs. I mean, it went out and everybody got on the mail. And on a Seinfeld episode, they were complaining about the junk mail that they were receiving every day in their post box. So Seinfeld collects all these things and he's throwing the catalogs out. He's going Pottery Barn, William Sonoma, Mac Warehouse. And he like, you know, gets angry at our company, but it was a huge boost to our company. Call it like a super product placement and really, you know, in enhanced our, our business. Well, of course, that means more catalog for more. <laughs> yes, kill, kill more, kill more trees. Unfortunately, at the time. Yeah. So, so now that we are on Amazon, so when you and I talked, uh, you you gave me your dumbed down version of a formula that you created for success on Amazon. Tell us what that is. Well, dumbed down. I mean, you know, the big picture would be. If you're going to help a brand, whether it's your own products that you're selling on Amazon or another brand that you're working with to help them navigate and grow on Amazon, you have to tell their story. On Amazon, you need to be great at everything. It's not like 10 or 15 years ago when maybe you could put a product on Amazon as Amazon opened up its marketplace and sell things. Now it is so competitive in almost every category that you need to be great at everything. But the biggest issue is to stand out, you need to tell your brand story. You need to make sure that you're explaining it in the real estate that Amazon provides for you, which means you have to have great A-plus content that answers the questions that people will be asking themselves. Does this product do this? Will this product fit in my pocket? Will this product uh, work in this country? 
And, you know, there's so many questions that you can get the answers to that you need to do the research on by reviewing all the competitors that are out there and the questions and complaints people might have about their products. But you need to tell that story on your A+, in your copy and in your gallery. And your gallery pictures need to be precise. The, the You know, the white background picture is nice, but then you need to do the call out and really show the features and functionality of your product. You need to explain why your brand and your product is better than everybody else's without knocking the competition. So there's a skill and an art to telling a brand story. Many brands are great at it because they've been doing it in other avenues, you know, forever. But when you take it down, now you call dumb it down to Amazon, you have the limited real estate to tell that story. And you definitely need also great video. So I call it the great brand story. And then you have to follow it up with, if you're going to sell on Amazon, you better have inventory. You better have stock. Don't be out of stock. So you need to be working with a partner or you need to be making sure that your logistics are up to snuff, that Amazon has the products in stock. If you don't have them in stock, you're not going to sell them. If you've invested money in promoting your products and building your brand and getting all that popularity and getting a run rate going, and now you're out of stock, you're going to drop in the rankings. You know, sometimes you'll maintain some of that ranking juice, but you'll drop pretty quickly and you need to make sure that you stay in stock. What we try to help ourselves and other partners do is that we have backup stock. So we have seller fulfilled prime where we could ship prime from our warehouse and we could ship from FBA prime. Being prime is super important. Being able to ship from your own warehouse is super important because sometimes it takes a while for products to get up to Amazon and in stock, whether they limit you for space so you can't get all the products there or you can get the products there, but there's a delay because logistics in general just take a while. Or it could have been that your products were late coming in from China. And so they come in from China, they come to port, then from port, they got to go through customs. Then from customs, you got to get them to a place where they're going to get maybe packaged, assembled, and then you got to get them up to Amazon. If you're delayed by a few weeks, that's not good because you could wind up being out of stock. So by having a hybrid, hybrid strategy, it, it's definitely a big help. Yeah. So, so uh, you mentioned several things. So we want to unpack each and every one of these. So first uh, and foremost, you started with your A-plus content. So A-plus content for the listener's benefit. You know, I see a lot of brands that are on brand registry that don't take advantage of this. So when you go to the product page, you scroll down. It's like halfway below the fold. There is a lot more sophisticated looking pictures and and information sometimes comparison charts not the comparison chart that amazon provides with other listings but the one that that clearly you can tell some graphic work was put into it those are called a plus content pages and that is totally free for you when i say free free flow where you can create through your graphic designer nice looking pictures and and, and infographics and things like that that you can put on every product page. That's what you're referring to, right? Yes, correct. Referring to, um, re- referring to that A-plus content. And that's where you tell your story because there should be some methodology to not just nice pictures, but explaining the product and showing it in use, some lifestyle pictures, but also try to show comparable size. Size is important. Weight is important. 
Um, aesthetics for sure are important. And so you need to show that in use and also close-ups of the product to show, you know, is this the right product for me? And, and, and there's a, definitely an art to it. And some people are really good at it. And some people just throw pictures up. Some people don't do it. Um, it's a shame. Yeah, they don't. I mean, I've seen so many. So now, however, I can tell you some sellers will say, well, I mean, they're going to see my A-plus content page if they come to my product page, but I don't show up in the search results in the first place. So that then ties back to the rest of the content, which is your title, your bullets, and, um, and, and your pictures to a certain extent in terms of search results. Of course, your reviews play a role. So give us how people can drive traffic to their product page. How do they show up in the search results? What are some key drivers? Well, you, you just named a whole bunch. I mean, you, you nailed it. You got to get that um, title right. There's X amount of characters that you could use, and you should leverage using them all to tell the right story. There's lots of great software that's out there to help try to figure out what the best search words would be to embed in your in your headline or your title and you know things like helium 10 and jungle scout and others that are out there that are pretty popular and not super expensive for that feature can really help you determine what's the best words to use in your um title so that's really important is figuring out what's the right title and if you could nail it where the big search words or important search words are in your title that's going to help a lot with your seo and then there's the copy below that, which are the bullets and other words that you're going to use to describe your product and the benefits and features of your product. And that definitely helps with your SEO also in your search words. So this is more of the organic the SEO portion of it. And of course, those pictures are super important. If you, you know, you're allowed, I think, seven pictures in the gallery, if you have two pictures or three pictures, you're not going to get ranked as high as somebody that has seven pictures. And if you can have a video, if you have the wherewithal, whether you could do it yourself or you need a third party to help you create videos, have a video, have more than one video, but the videos are super important and they get clicked on all the time. When people are trying to make that decision, should I buy this or should I buy this? They're going to click the video and that video is going to usually convince them one way or another. So what is your recommendation for the video length? How long should it be? Oh, I, you know, I've seen them too long, but I think, you know, 15 seconds is probably good enough. I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a lot because people are ADD and they just want to get a quick hit. Um, you know, 30, okay, but, you know, 30 could be a little long sometimes too. People will cut it off. You'll you'll see that there's, you know, some software that'll be able to tell you that how long people have been able to sit through your videos. And it's great when they make it to the end. But most people cut off after 10, you know, 12 seconds. And is this the kind of video that you can take your phone and shoot? Or what is, what is the best practice? I mean, you can. Some of the phones are good. And there's some great, you know, light boxes with, you know, carousels that spin your product so you can show 3D. And, you know, I put that in the lower form. But then there's other photographers that are out there that are videographers that could really do a great job. And it's really not that much money. If this is a product that you built, that you've invested in, and you're trying to build your brand, it's usually worth spending a little bit of money to create, to get the video right, because the higher quality video will definitely help you along the way. And it will separate you from those that do the iPhone carousel pictures. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just saying 
invest in your in your product right i mean you just said it so uh, this is what i this actually came up recently with a client of mine we were working and we were going through the pictures and i i brought up the subject video so i said oh yeah yeah we've got the video covered don't worry so then the time comes for me to look at the, the video so they show the video and it's a good video but i said who created the video it says oh we did but this video is actually it's instructional video it's very useful it's about how to use their product i said okay so two questions what is the intention for this video he said well we want to show you know how to use our product said that's not the video you want to put on your pictures it has to be a promotional video which the video by the way was about two and a half minutes long <laughs> so i said nobody's watching two and a half minutes long video uh, in addition i said did you create this in houses yeah i did it i just i said okay i have a question for you and this is the question for every cell you tell me your take on it. imagine that you've been given a free slot to show your commercial on major network prime time would you the, put the, up the, the super bowl the, the super bowl right yeah i mean look super bowl is is obviously it's it's very expensive but just for regular tv you know somebody says look we're gonna air it prime time right after i don't know a, a major event so would you go with something that you created that's two and a half minutes long no so it's a promotional video so what is your take on it i i mean i'm with you man like i uh, nick i would i would definitely do the promotional video because you're selling the sizzle but i do think that there's a place for that two minute explainer video but i think you you already have to have hooked that customer and now they bought it and they go back to get some advice and help so i think having the resource there is going to help you because the other end of this is what you don't want is a return and yeah. you know that's inherent on amazon because it, the customer um wins and the customer has the right to return these products and you want to keep that product in the field and the incremental videos now that you sold them i think that that's great resource to keep it out in the field yeah absolutely so uh going with promotional video as part of your pictures your gallery as as amazon calls uh, in addition to the pictures is key and keep that short you can add the additional video but that cannot be the only video that's long and, and no no that, that's a backup you go with yeah, that promotional and, video yeah and that long video by the way long self-made video is perfect for social media put it on TikTok, put it on and people actually like that because it's authentic Nobody can question, oh, this is commercial, but your promotional video. So if you are in the business of building a brand, you're investing so much money, uh, building your product, getting the molds created, the shipment and all that stuff, registering legal, and you don't have the money to, to professionally create a promotional video, you are in the wrong business. <laughs> and, and, and I think that you'll find it's not going to completely break the bank. I mean, I know people want Absolutely. to do things on a string, but there's enough of these videographers out there that understand Amazon now and other marketplaces. And it's it's reasonable. And for the price, like you explained, I created a mold or I created a design. I did all this extra work. It, it's 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 small incremental. And yeah. and you yeah. amortize it over the life of the product. It's not like depending on how you're doing your accounting, like yeah. it's, it's irrelevant, but it's not a big hit. 
Yeah, so um, this is, and the other thing that I will tell people uh, is, and this kind of came up, you know, unfortunately, you have to dissect everything. So how do you go about creating a video? Creating a video is several components. First of all, you have to write a script, right? This is nothing to do with shooting or anything. You have to have, a, it's like creating a movie. How can you go shoot a movie without having a script in the first place, right? So you have to write a script and it would be better if you wrote the script and then put it to the person and then they can come back with an alternative. Uh, but don't just put your faith in their hands. This is your product. You tell the story, write the script, and then let them create the prototype and then the editing and the music and all that stuff. These are all the pieces that go into building it, right? Well, I mean, it, it, what you said is like the ideal customer because so many customers don't want to have to write the words. And you don't have to write the words like those are the words that will be used. But you need to give a brief to the person that's going to be doing the creator right. for you. So just a brief, even if it was bullets to explain the most important features and functionality, you got to give them a clue. Yeah, because, outline, so to speak, right? Exa exactly. So you have a brief and then the videographer will do a storyboard for you. And the storyboard for, you know, 15, 30 second commercial, it, you know, it's not that many, you know, rectangles or squares. And you'll be able to see how this thing is going to flow and you'll be part of that, you know, journey. And, yeah. and, and I think that you got to give the people working with you some help because you're the creator of the product. Who knows it better than you? Absolutely. My favorite example is, uh, I'm sure you've seen the, the show called Mad Men. Of course, of course. Yeah, so, you know, they are constantly pitching TV commercials, right? So they're explaining that somebody is doing this, a woman walks pa past, and, and then a dog suddenly jumps on her. And so that's what we're talking about when we say script. So give that outline, uh, so to speak, not necessarily frame by frame like that, but what is the message that, that will highlight your product? And then let the, the person who will create the video give you those frame by frame, so to speak, the storyboarding it. And then from that, you can go to production. So uh, these are, I mean, you said it, it doesn't break the bank. But as the business owner who has to plan for the expense, you have to make a place for this expense. Sure. In your sure. plan. That's the whole idea. You can't just dismiss it. You can't cut corners. It's going to help with your conversion big time, right? And, and and you have to do the research, whether it's you or people that work with you. Look at other comparable products. Even if you think yours is better, you got to research what people are saying about the others so you can learn what you need to highlight in your products. You, you know, I it, it's funny. There's products now that are out that they're saying, do not buy this if you're going to use it for this. And they're saying that because, hey, they don't want the returns because it's going to give them horrible reviews. They're trying to be upfront about it. They're saying this product, like I go to Europe a lot and the power is different. So I have to get these power converters and you can't just take these small little power converters and plug a hairdryer into it. It'll blow it. And it, it, so you go to these, um, you know, these products on Amazon and there'll be a big X. Do not put hairdryer. Do not put it on here. It's good for phone, for computer, for this, for that. But do not do this. And because they had returned, they had problems. Everybody wants it for everything, but it's not for everything. It's not for everybody. Yeah. So you need to be clear about what is your product for? What's the problem it solves? And tell that story clearly, the good and what it doesn't do, because you don't want people to buy it and then 
put venomous hate mail or bad reviews because then you're in the dungeon. Right, exactly. Reviews are key. So one of the things that this actually is a good segue to the next part, which is, to me, is the main driver for your conversion is your product pictures. So uh, give us your take on pictures that will not only tell the story of your product, but also will attract reviews that are positive. Well, I think it's more than the pictures that'll get you the reviews. It's the people that wind up buying it that leave, you know, wonderful comments about your products. But I, I think the pictures have to, you know, again, tell a story in a, in a particular order where the, the initial pictures, the image on a white background, which is Amazon's kind of ruling. Some people, you know, play around with that a little bit, but, you know, that's pretty much the standard. But then that next picture is super important. That number two picture, you really want to, with call outs, I call them, they're lines with little words sitting next to them, call, call out the features on your product. If it's a vacuum cleaner, it, it'll point to the different parts of the vacuum cleaner, the switches, the outlets, the, the hose, the, is it reversible? Does it, you know, is it waterproof? And, you know, if it's a computer product, say it's a docking station, it shows and points to every single port that's on there to show look at all these cool features you get with this and so th that second picture is really important and you do want to show the angles and then depending on the product you need a picture in there that has somebody and i think i see people do it with humans where they have a human hand holding the product or the product is sitting next to a coin or something that people know, oh, I know the size of a coin, I know the size of a piece of bread, I'm making that up. But, you know, you something to scale it so you can say, ah, that is that big, I get it now. Like that, I don't want something huge, I want something small. Um, and so having the human hand model or having some kind of comparison is super important and that'll help tell your story. Then, you, you know, you talked about the development of the product. And you get some products, and I'm sure you order from Amazon, it comes in a little baggie, and it's like, oh, I can't believe I got this, I spent 200 bucks, and it's an old baggie. The box is important, and the, the, you know, the, the, the creative that goes with the box is important. Make your product feel important when people get it. So if you have a great picture of a box that you could show, it comes in this high-end, beautiful box, you're not selling the box, you're selling the brand, you're selling the image. And I think that's really important. That's another thing that I think people chintz out on. And, and why do they chintz out? Because it's going to add another buck or two or three to your cost. And if, if it's a low average selling price product, you know, can you absorb that? But as the average selling price comes on, you should really invest in better packaging. Packaging will protect it. Packaging will keep it in the field. You don't want returns. People are going to return it anyway, but you don't want to exorbitant amount of returns hey it's not good for your ratings it's not good for your seo but it's not good for your financials either yeah i mean absolutely so the, the, this the packaging is so important to get that sense of feeling that's that you're buying something exceptional something of high value yep. uh, so that's what the packaging does and the best example is, I'm sure we all know, especially ladies, fragrance, right? All the fragrances, they are all by designers. Even though it's designed or created by someone 
was unknown. It's still a designer fragrance. That's how they sell it. So these designer fragrances, if you think about it, what is the cost? It's liquid, right? It's the formula. It costs nothing to produce it. But it, especially high-priced ones, they're very expensive. And you know where they are getting that high-value perception? Not because of the formula or even the smell. Some people don't even know what it smells like. It's the box. The package. It's the whole industry, right? So that bottle, the box, and everything that goes with it is, and that's the reason why packaging is so important. It just emphasizes your brand value. For sure. I mean, what what's the world's most popular, famous brand? It's Apple Computer, right? You get an Apple product. It's it, the unboxing is 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 an event, right? Right. And they they do that on purpose now. Over the years, they've dummied down, dumbed down a little bit of the packaging, but it's still when I open it, the way it's wrapped, the the you know I open it and it's layers and everything's compartmentalized, and the way the wrapping comes off the phone or the watch, it's it feels good, it feels high value, it feels I bought an Apple, right? You want everybody to feel when they bought your product, they bought an Apple product. And 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 so I I see others trying to emulate Apple everywhere in every industry. And I think that's really good. It just comes down to you gotta be it, it's got it's gotta be economic. It's gotta fit the product. So it, like if you're if you're making a dollar ninety-nine product, it might not be that simple to do, and you might need to go with the bag or something, but but you, you need to make it still important. But as you're coming up the price scale, you gotta invest in that packaging. Absolutely. And if if anybody listening says, well, my price, my my product is priced very low. Well, then think about your pricing. I mean, pricing is everything. So the instead of discounting your price to compete, increase your value, and then therefore assign a higher price point, but differentiate yourself and your packaging, your your the perception of who you are will be ultimately the reason why people will pay. I mean, why do people go pay so much? in Starbucks to get a cup of coffee. They can buy it in Dunkin' Donuts. They can buy it anywhere, right? I mean, it doesn't cost anywhere near, but nevertheless, they they know that that brand is the one that they feel loyal to. So because they associate other things with it. So that's the, the way to deal with it. So, um, okay. Now, as far as reviews, I'm going to say one thing about why, what kind of a role pictures play with reviews. The, and this actually comes down to a metric Amazon tracks. It's called listing quality. Mm-hmm. So what that means is out of the physical merchandise that you're shipping, how does it compare to the pictures that you are you posted for it? You may have updated your packaging. You may, maybe some of the colors have been changed but your pictures are not the current look, then people will simply say, well, first of all, you'll get a return. Second, they're going to say, well, the pictures were, in fact, as part of the reason for return, one of the options that Amazon provides is product description, Mm -hmm. inaccurate. So, and I do this all the time. And I I say, I, I buy something and then, of course, they cut corners and then they ship something total looks totally different the pictures were not the same as the product i received so therefore the description is it does not match because your pictures are part of your description so uh, that's something that 
will impact and you don't want any of those things make sure well, it's going to get you a negative review that that's absolutely, how it's going to impact absolutely your yeah you're going to get a return it's it's like you know double triple value you're going to get a return and of course amazon if you are using fba there's a three percent fee for processing a refund amazon will provide the refund customers will not be happy yeah can they are likely to file a negative uh, review in addition for your uh if you are like cl getting close to the uh, order defect rate mm -hmm. so uh that's going to be bad it's it's it doesn't no work. i mean if, if, if too many negative reviews you're going to get suspended on your SKU. so exactly your yeah you, you don't nobody wants that so so it's it's great to invest so this is all the upfront work but then you gotta you know you said how do you get people and how do you get traffic to your to your page to your product and and so all these are freebies i'll call them freebies you're going to invest in the content but they're seo they're they're organic but then you still have to advertise and you know that's a cost of doing business now on amazon it used to not be that way but now where that wasn't part of the equation x years ago it's now part of the equation you got to spend for launching a product sometimes 100 percent of sales at the beginning to get something off the ground and get enough traffic so people buy it so they leave reviews and then you start bringing it down you know, and, and I hear people saying, well, spending 30% of sales is acceptable. And it's, it, it depends on what the product is, but you, you got to get this thing sub 10%. You really do. And you don't want to spend more than 10% if you can avoid it on advertising. But you need to do on Amazon advertising. You need to do off Amazon advertising. You need to do social media advertising. And now what we've been spending some time with, which is helpful for reviews, is um, micro-influencers. And a micro influencer is um, a person that is, uh, you know, you know, savvy and popular to some extent about certain types of product categories, and they have a following base. Like, so a micro influencer could have five thousand to fifty thousand followers, and you could get them through a fee, through an affiliate program, to be able to post your product and tell a story about their product. And if somebody clicks and buys it, they get a piece of the action many times. But that person is buying your product they tell a story about their product and most likely they're going to leave a review about your product and most likely it's going to be positive because they're on your team in a way and i do think that getting a band of micro influencers and there are many companies that offer availability and access to all these different micro influencers um it's interesting everybody does their own little thing but you know you get 50 micro influencers at a time telling their little story and it takes a while because they're not all getting the product and doing it that day yeah. they do it over a period of time so there is a drag effect to it but it's something that i think you have to invest in and do because you want people talking about your product and showing your product hey it's great for your brand but it's going to get more traffic to the page and amazon loves outside of amazon traffic they love when you're bringing stuff in from google or from TikTok or from wherever it's coming it you you get a a, a, a bigger bang for that uh benefit uh by coming from off of amazon so when you have external traffic so there's a couple of things to mention first of all if you are advertising outside amazon of course amazon loves that because you're bringing New potential blood. buyers that are not already on amazon so if you are advertising on Amazon through the Amazon PPC campaigns, then you, you are advertising to people who are already on Amazon. So Amazon already has them. But when you bring somebody from outside, Amazon loves that. So there's a couple of things there. Uh, one is called 
attribution, Amazon attribution, which basically is a specific way to create your links for your ads that will tell you where the traffic has come from. Uh, and then if you incorporate that into your advertising and you sign up for brand referral bonus program for brand registry people, now if you generate X number of dollars from external traffic that gets picked up by your attribution, you get a percentage of the gross sale back to your seller account credited, right? And it's, it's, uh, it's a big play right now. And why does Amazon do that? There's a couple of reasons. One is they want that outside traffic. But when so many of the Amazon sellers are advertising on Google or Bing or they're using your Facebook, almost historically and always they push the traffic to themselves because they're already paying for the advertisement. Do they really want to pay for the advertisement and the Amazon fees? So they're getting double dinged. Amazon doesn't want to feed Shopify. They want to feed themselves. So they're giving them a discount theoretically to help cover that ad spend so they can get the traffic back to Amazon. So it's a one-two punch there, punch to Shopify and then feeding the Amazon machine. It's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. well, there is a, a bit of a situation there because ultimately, as you know, the Amazon algorithm drives what shows up in the search results. So of course that has a lot to do with the content, you know, your, your PPC and whatever the case may be. So, but ultimately one of the drivers in that algorithm is your conversion rate. Commercial oh, yeah. rate being how many people landed on your page versus how many of them bought the product. That is key because in Amazon's business model where they want to provide the best customer experience, that looks like somebody coming to Amazon, doing a search, clicking on a listing, and then buying it. That's the best experience because whatever they searched, they found, and they bought, and, they, and then, of course, your reviews and everything else follows. But the point is, an Amazon-based advertising program is likely to bring potential buyers to your listing page. But an external advertising program could be anything. If it's Facebook or TikTok, they may not be necessarily ready to buy. So if you bring them to your product page, your conversion rate may suffer. And therefore, you may lose your ranking that you've achieved. So what is your take on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're, you're right, but you do get extra juice from the traffic coming from outside. So Amazon still likes that. And I do think that a lot of the advertising that D2C or, or B2B um, you know, e-commerce players put out there are bottom of the funnel. So they're they're trying to advertise for conversion anyway. So if they're doing Google Shopping or they're doing Google AdWords, they're not doing it just for brand building. They're almost always doing it to convert. So they are putting converting advertising out there. And I actually believe that in many cases, when you go from Google to Amazon to buy, the conversion rate should be as good, if not better, than going to the D2C site. Why? A, fast delivery. You know, when you and I talked earlier about how some of these companies All take right. a while to get products to you. So you're going to get speed. You're going to get... Uh, I know Amazon. I could return this. I'm, I'm safe. I'm comfortable. I have my account set up already. I don't have to set up a new account. So I think that 
there's a lot of benefits to customers coming to Amazon to get it. They know they're going to get it. They trust Amazon. They have an account set up. You know, it, it's it's a simple it's a simple formula for them. They don't have to think about it. If they go to a new D 2 C site, if it's not the first time they ever bought from that site before, uh, do I really want to do this again? Do I need to set sure. up a new account? You know, how long is it good for me to take it? You know, I think that they're going to get their conversion, but I think they're going to be equally satisfied on Amazon. And I, again, Amazon's kicking you back some extra money for that, you know, a discount. So I think it works, but you better have your page on Amazon in ship shop shape. You got to have this thing rocking and rolling with great content. So don't do the offsite advertising if you haven't invested in your product. Right. Page. Exactly. So it goes back to what we started talking about. Make sure yeah. that's that. Exactly. Okay. So this is really great. Uh, we didn't really intend it to be this way, but this, uh, episode is turning out to be almost like the anatomy of success on Amazon. So uh, so now, okay, so we, we've created the content. We made sure we've got everything 100%, pictures, video, A+, and we've got the advertising going, we're bringing search results externally as well as on-site uh, paid campaign. We've got reviews. So now what numbers are you watching in terms of determining? Am I doing well here? What are, what are some areas of improvement? What are oh, the oh, my goodness. The first, the first thing I'm going to look at, first, first of all, you want to look at all your advertising metrics to see what you could squeeze and optimize. No doubt about it. You want to continually look at your copy on your page because you think you might have nailed it, but you might not have nailed it 100%. Now that you're in the game and you're selling, you're going to get your own reviews. You're going to be able to read more about it. You're going to be able to see where and, and see some critiques on where you could actually enhance your content. So you should always be optimizing your content. But I, I think now comes the um, what's my BSR? You know, what's my ranking? Because I want to be number one. I want to be number five. I don't want to be another you know, number 3000. So if I'm continually climbing in the ranking, I'm going in the right direction. There's a huge difference between number one and number 3,000. There's a big difference between number one and number 25 even. But you want to be in that top 50. There's no doubt that that's where your, your goal is has got to be. Is this the main category or it's one of the subcategories? Sub, subcategories. The main category oh. could be incredibly difficult. You're talking, right. you know, your computers or electronics. I mean, it's it's off the charts. If, I'm, if I have a keyboard and I'm ranked 3,000 or 5,000, that could be really good for electronics. But in keyboards, if I'm 3,000, I'm dead. Yes, right. You're right. Yeah, so uh, you're looking at the subcategory. So uh, you're watching the rank, uh, your BSR. What else are you watching? I'm watching what these competitors are doing and what words they're investing in. So I'm always trying to enhance my advertising. I might have my advertising with a system that's always looking, but I want to also be looking at what are my competitors spending their time and their money on that are ahead of me in the ranking, but they're obviously getting more sales than I am. They have to be, you know, to be there. So I'm always chasing them and seeing what they're doing that might be better than what I'm doing. I also want to enhance my advertising where if we were just doing basic advertising, I want to do some video advertising because I don't know if you've seen it, but I definitely see it and it, it, it always catches my eye. You'll look for, you'll search for computer networking switches and halfway down the page, there's movement, there's a video, and there's an advertisement. Right. And your eye always goes to that. And that's much higher conversion, those video ads. You got to invest a little time to develop them, 
But again, I don't think it takes a rocket science to build these video ads. And you got to do some of that video advertising. Uh, so that to me is enhance your advertising, enhance your SEO, and follow some of what the, the, the good and the bad that the competitors are doing. Don't do the bad, do more of the good. So as far as like, uh, like driving a car, you're watching your speed. Like if it's, you know, depending on where you're driving, if it's over 55, if you're on the expressway, then you're going too fast, depending on where you are. Uh, so what are some numbers oriented monitoring that you are doing? Well, I'm looking at velocity, sales per day, sales per week, sales per month, for sure, the units I'm selling. And again, trying to back into what I think my competitors are doing to see how much more runway I think I have to go on up. Um, I definitely don't want to go backwards. The other I'm looking at is on my advertising. You know, what's my A cost? What am I spending to acquire uh, order? Because you're not acquiring a customer, right? It's not like your own business, Amazon's customer. Mm -hmm. And with that, I say, when you're selling products, are you selling a product that people might want to buy often or once in a blue moon. And if it's once in a blue moon, that ACOS is pretty important to watch. But if it's something that's replenishable, like you, you know, you talk about coffee, you know, if you're buying beans uh, on Amazon, which we buy coffee beans on Amazon, I buy it once a month. So what's the cost to get somebody into my brand and get them to love me? I would lose money on that. That's how the old direct marketing game worked. How much money do you go in the hole to acquire a new customer? And then how much money do you make thereafter? So if you have a, you know, something that I buy a carpet for my house, I kind of buy a carpet for my house you know, once every 10 years. I don't know. But if I'm buying coffee, I'm buying it once a month. And there's going to be a longer life to that. So maybe I'm going to spend a bit more to get that person for the first time to buy it. Maybe I'll do more couponing. Maybe I'll do more promotional. Maybe I'll do a special promotion with Amazon. And I, I would definitely do everything in my power to keep that rank high. Being number one, number two, number three, number four, number five is invaluable. Invaluable because Amazon is definitely going to always show you on the search results. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, if you have a consumable product that you're selling, then you can also register for subscribe and save option. So that will give you the recurring orders you don't have to think about it. It's a great way for you to plan your inventory. If you look at all the subscriptions you have, how many pieces that adds up to. Uh, so uh, absolutely, if you spend a little bit more upfront to acquire one subscriber to your consumable product, that, that's a great way to go. So as far as your uh, order, uh, daily order or daily weekly, uh, your order flow rate or order velocity rather, uh, where are you seeing those numbers? What is the system that you use? To okay. I mean, so obviously Seller Central gives you some reporting that you could print on a, you know, minute. <laughs> you just press the button if you get bored during the day and you keep on running the report. But, you know, we, we use our own internal tools that we built. Uh, we have a platform called Optics. And, you know, we, we see by the minute what's being sold. And, you know, I'll, I'll kick some of the guys to say, hey, guys, what's going on today? You know, is something happening uh, that I'm not aware of? Do we, do we lose a buy box on something? Maybe that is a brand that somebody else could get their hands on. And, you know, we, we quickly know almost immediately. So there, there's a dashboard that's running throughout the day that's telling us how are we doing to yesterday? How are we doing to the week before for the same day? How are we doing to last year? And it's basically a line chart that's growing throughout the day. And you definitely don't want to be under last year. 
and products do have a life. So you need to make sure that you're refreshing your products. And, you know, eventually, you know, I'd love for something to last forever. And some products do last for a long, long time. Some don't, but always try to improve it. And I think the best way to launch a new product is to make it a variation from a current product that's popular. So if you're concerned about the life of your product, come out with the next version of it or a better version or a something different, but have it so you can tie it to that core SKU. You're talking about a huge advertising savings by tying it to your popular SKU. Mm-hmm. And so the enhancements, enhance your product, tie it, make sure that if it's a variation, maybe it's a special color, you know, maybe it's got one extra nozzle on it, but keep it in the family. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So uh, as far as, so at the end of the day, you mentioned your internal tools. So really you want to build your own system to track information that you need to stay on top of that's specific to your operation. That may be different. There isn't like one size fits all. Well, I mean, there's plenty of software out there, you, you know, like, you know, there, there's three P seller and, and, and this seller's O and there's, uh, you, you know, so many tools out there that you could use that provide you better looking reports, easier to, you know, access reports, easier to read reports. Um, you know, we've tried so many different tools and we still use a bunch of these tools, but, uh, you know, we wound up because we've been doing this for so long, just creating some of our own. So it's some third party tools, but we have our own stuff that we build and, uh, we, you know, we've come to rely on that. So how do you use, I didn't hear you mention conversion rate, maybe because it's like a natural thing. Yeah, no, it could be. I mean, that's probably pretty silly that I didn't, but I mean, conversion rate is a big deal. I mean, it's going to go back, you know, it all ties down to some of the metrics you're looking at. Why is my, my A cost going up? Well, it could be the advertising is more expensive right. or it could be the conversion rates not. If your conversion rates coming down, you're in trouble. So you got to keep your conversion rate high and do new things and mess around with new advertising and new words. So, that's why you have to always be optimizing your advertising. Yeah. I mean, I guess the conversion rate is a given in your case because you put the focus on the content, the A+, because all those things are key for the conversion rate to be good in the first place, right? So that's... Uh... That, that's correct. But also you might be doing some advertising that's more brand building than it is conversion. Like you'll all see right. that if you advertise and focus on the ASIN, the conversion rate's a little higher than when you focus on the brand. Because as you start lifting out of the funnel from the bottom to the middle, the conversion rates change. You need a mix, right? You need to be building your brand, but you need to be converting. And you just need to have a good mix and measure it. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And uh, conver- I mean, I, I always say, frankly, you know, any, for anybody who listened to other episodes, uh, I keep emphasizing there are two magic bullets on Amazon for success. One is how do you increase your click-through rate, your CTR? So when you come up in the search results, how do you get more people to click on your product? So when you increase the click-through rate, you're bringing more people to your product page. Mm -hmm. And the second magic bullet is the conversion rate. So out of the people that you bring to the product page, how do you get more of them to buy? So these are easier said than done. Always. How do you increase the click-through rate? Well, that will come down to how optimized your listing is, how good your main product picture is, 
and what your order uh, flow rate is so that you are constantly increasing your orders. So Amazon will say, okay, this is a good one. Your conversion rate has to be high. So the algorithm picks up. All those things will get you show up higher and higher so that your click-through rate will be higher. Uh, and the conversion rate is all about the content. How good is your content? Your pictures, your videos, your bullets. Are, are people making any motion? Well, well that, the, the reviews are going to be a big deal on your conversion Reviews rate. are a big deal, yeah. So that, that's the trust. But, but on your, on your click-through, I, I mean, I think the thing is, if you start picking search words out that just aren't precise enough, some people go really broad. You're going to have a, a you know tough click-through rate because people are going to look at it like right away. They know that's not what I wanted. So making sure that you have the right words in your title and that you're advertising for the the words that really matter to people looking for your type of product, that's going to help your click-through rate. But also I mentioned on the advertising, doing some video advertising is definitely going to collect, you know help your click-through rate, definitely going to help your conversion rate. So you got to try both to, to enhance your click-through rate. Exactly. So, um, Adam, so if you could pick one thing for Amazon to change in their policies for third-party sellers, what do you think that would be? Oh, man, that's an unfair question. I, let, me get, let, me, let me get out my, my list. You know, I, I think it's a, it, they do a good job for, you know, they built this mammoth, you know, say there's $610 billion of merchandise being sold on Amazon, and they have hundreds of thousands of employees on email and chat and you know sometimes you maybe could talk to somebody you, you know they they tried to create the hotline but it doesn't really work i i think you know just being able to have more access to people that you work with on a, a regular basis would be helpful i i think it's a rotating door so you're never dealing with the same person and maybe they do that on purpose because they don't want one person to become too overly friendly with the seller to maybe have some bias but having somebody that people could talk to some people have account managers but you have two two and a half million sellers 3p sellers on amazon they don't they're they're talking to a, an inbox and right. I, I think that you know i think that being able to say you know you're dealing with this group here it might be impossible but i just think a better way to communicate with them because they're so overburdened with painful questions and requests and things that they might have done by an algorithm that they're trying to undo or fix or look into or research, you know, doing an inventory check, like, you know, you know, I want, I want you to go count my inventory because I don't think it's right. Um, you put in cases all the time. There's got to be a more consistent way to deal with them. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. So I had an interesting conversation with an Amazon uh, guy. Uh, this is a, a, they call them business development people or category managers, whichever way you look at it. But their job is to work with sellers. So they become the account executives. And what he said, uh, I said to him, look, is there any way, first of all, for you to be assigned to an existing seller? He said, it's much harder. It's possible, but it's much harder than right at the beginning being assigned to somebody who's just signing up. Because... Uh, what I always do is I try to get an invite sent to a seller or new seller to sign up because that invite is, is triggered by an account executive that gets attached to an account. So for anybody listening, try to get an account executive right from the get-go. Don't try to get one after the fact. 
And then about after the fact, sometimes you get people reaching out to you, say, oh, you know, we want to, I am your accounting uh, executive. That does happen. Uh, but what I was told by one of those guys is if somebody is doing about a million dollars a year, they are already fine. They don't get an accounting executive because they want to help the little guys be, grow. grow. That's sure. the function of the account executives, which I would have thought would be the other way around because somebody who is doing little. So Amazon has a very different mentality. So uh, what do you think about getting an invite? Do you arrange invites for sellers? I Do I invite invite for sellers or does Amazon? Yeah, for, do you get an Amazon executive to invite a seller uh, to, so that they become attached to the seller account. I, I, I think that it would be great to have a consistent person for sure. And, and we've paid for account management or somebody that can help us there at Amazon. And it's hit or miss, man. Like you can get somebody that is brand new right. and, and is ne- doesn't know their way around, always has to get back to you, take some days to get back. And then you get some really slick people that know the game really well and you gotta get lucky to get that right person and then as you grow you do get account help but they're not the cure-all because they can't fix a lot of the issues that you need fixed or help or advice on they could do one thing and like you said really what they're involved in is they're trying to figure out how to get you to grow and sell more stuff they're not necessarily there to figure out how to get you out of the you know the doghouse no i actually if you are get put uh, if, if you ever get put in the doghouse Hands off. They don't. Hands off. Hands off. Yep. Yeah, it's a, it's very interesting system. So this is great, Adam. So you you really given the the roadmap to really doing things. So let's learn a little bit about you now. So tell us uh, where did you grow up, and and where do you live? Well, I live in Miami. Our company, Phelps United, is based in Costa Mesa, California. Um, I'm, I moved to Miami because of uh, another business that I was working. And I wound up having kids and they're not that transportable. Once they're going to school, they, they <laughs> kind of get stuck in their way. And it would probably be a divorce to move them. Otherwise, I'd move back to California. But, um, you know, we do love it here. And I, um, you know, I've been in the industry for 30 some odd years. Like we talked earlier, you know, we were doing direct marketing, selling computer products through catalogs. And from there, we had the first internet e-commerce site. And it was so kludgy at the time because we had this big ERP system that processed our orders, but it wasn't connected to our internet system. So every day we had to print all the orders from the internet and have somebody rekey them into our main system to be able to process and ship. And those were the days. And and we would take 30,000 phone calls a day. And over time it evolved to 30,000. I mean, this is no joke. 30,000 a day. How do you handle 30,000? We had a a huge call center in New Jersey, believe it or not. And, you know, we answered those phones and, you know, the whole thing was, how do you have a whole time of no longer than 15 seconds? Because then you lose the person that's calling and God forbid you need customer service, but you had a little longer hold time there, but you you know, you want to get those orders, but people got a catalog. They made a phone call. You know, yeah. people didn't even mail it in. They they made a phone call. So over time, that evolved to let me place the order on the internet, and the phone calls dried up, and the internet took off, and we had the largest e-commerce business for computer products outside of Dell at the time. So we built a monstrous 
e-commerce business through the, the mechanism of a catalog creating the advertisement. Yeah. I mean, and then it, we got into advertising. Yeah, I mean, Dell did the, the, the first thing when they went internet-based ordering because that's what Dell used to do. And then Michael Dell was the visionary to say, you know, we're going to service all these orders on the web, on the website from now yeah, on. They were, they were the largest manufacturer at the time. We were the largest, call it, reseller at the time. So we would sell other people's brands, Dell, so Dell, you know, Dell brands. And they built a human, they're still huge on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, they've done a great job. We, we, I don't think we would call ourselves visionaries. We were just trying to survive. And inter <laughs> internet was how you did it because, you know, it was, it was going to happen. And we spent, I don't know, $6 million on our first e-commerce site working with Microsoft right. helping us it was and and then we got rid of it you know six months later and built a new one uh, <laughs> and and now you could just pay a couple of bucks a month and have a Shopify site that has more than we ever had on our website absolutely yeah so but how did you how did you get started so this this business is it part of your like experiences growing up as a child well um I've always been in marketing um and selling and direct marketing I mean I was quite young when I got into this. I was probably um, 18 years old going to university and started with a company that was selling direct through magazines. They were selling through line listings in PC magazine and selling computer products. And I started with them and we evolved and I joined a new company that did these catalogs. And it was an offshoot of publishing. The company that I started with was called Micro Warehouse or Mac Warehouse. Um, they were they were the founders of a magazine called Mac User, and Mac User sold to Ziff Davis, and Ziff Davis bought them and had a non-compete on magazines, but they didn't have a non-compete on catalogs, and the biggest advertisers in Mac User were direct sellers selling through line listings. So they said, if they can do it, we could just create a catalog. It looks like a magazine. It's got all these wonderful pictures instead of these line listings, and it's not breaking or non-compete. And so that's how Mac Warehouse began. It was an offshoot from Mac user and it grew and, you know, and, and many followed PC Connection, CDW, um, Dell.com and others. So, so I heard you mention you were always in sales and marketing, but why were you always in sales and marketing? Oh, again, you grow up uh, as a mutt in, you know, a town on Long Island and you're always trying to figure out, you know, how to, how to make a living. I worked at Sears when I was a little kid when they opened a store in our neighborhood to have a job and selling and helping customers was a big deal. And some people have a knack for it and some people don't. And then as I learned more about, and, and at the time it was more this technology computer business, helping brands that were coming up figure out how to sell their products to customers was interesting and fun to me, helping tell the brand story and helping brands succeed in the direct marketing world, because it was a weird place at the time where how do you sell computer products? There were some computer stores, but you, you know, you had to be, a, you know, pretty knowledgeable to figure out how to get all these different parts. And so we helped brands tell their story, which we're continuing to do now on Amazon. This is in Sears? No, Sears after Sears, I was selling, uh, so, uh, sorry to jump, but that was, uh, while I was working at Sears, I was going to school and I, you know, met some people in this computer startup uh, selling through magazines, and that's when I got into it. So it was, oh. how, do, how do I not work at Sears for the rest of my life? And 
I got into the computer business through my university and a professor that connected me with people at a company that was a startup. So uh, who put you in Sears to do to, for, for that job? Is that you? Oh, I was 16 years old and they opened a store in my neighborhood. And, you know, I rode my bicycle there. It was, I couldn't drive a car yet. I was just getting my, my driver's license. And I applied for a job. They were hiring as many people as they could. And I think I was making $3.35 an hour punching a time card, worked in sporting goods and toys and office equipment. So how did your parents take you taking a job in Sears? Oh, they were happy. I was to, to my parents, having a job was more important, I think, than anything else. That's the one excuse you're allowed to have for being late for dinner or <laughs> missing a holiday is you're working. So working is a, a pretty big part of our culture. It was encouraged. encouraged. Oh, it was more than encouraged. If you don't have a job, you're a bum. So you got to have a job. Oh, so, so, you know, so, so I see. So, so in the family, the, the, the whole value system is you better have a job. Is that it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm, I'm a little older, although I look super young, but, uh, you know, I'm 57 years old. When I was a kid, there was a thing called the gas crisis. So the gas crisis was we had, um, there was a shortage of gas. Not, not dissimilar to today, but the prices didn't go to as high as today. But you could only buy gas on odd or even days. So if you had a license plate that ended with an eight, you were an even. If you were seven, you, you're, you're an odd. So you could only get gas every other day. And the gas lines were a mile plus long. People were waiting all day to get gas until the gas station ran out of gas. And I was about 12 years old at the time. And I stole all the food from our house And with my friend, we took a shopping cart and we walked up to where the gas station was and we walked up and down the line selling food, coffee, donuts, whatever oh, it would be. And, and then when they put a sign on the last car that said last car, we took the sign off so people would stay longer so we could sell. So, you know, we, we were always scamming to make some money. And even if it was taking the, you know, it was great cost of goods, free, because we took it from our parents and we made, you know, a ton of money selling it to these people waiting in their cars because they couldn't leave the car and they were sitting there for an hour. It was the morning they were going to work. So that was your first entrepreneurial. Oh my God. Yeah, that was it. And, you know, and then, you know, Sears came calling when I got old enough for a real job and, you know, had my paper routes and all the other stuff kids do to make some money, shovel driveways. But, you know, once I got into direct marketing and marketing, there was nothing better than putting a campaign out, whether it was a piece of mail or a catalog, and people responded. You, you knew, I would think at the time, almost instantaneously, if something was going to be a winner or a loser. Now, you know, in seconds, then it was, yeah, exactly. you know, in, in 10 days, I'll know if this is a winning campaign or not. But you had to count the days until it would be in homes. So you mailed it, and maybe it's still... 10 days before it gets to a house, then you got to give it, you know, 10 days until you know. So in a couple of weeks, three weeks, you know, if it's a winner or a loser. Now I know in a day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, now you... Well, that's great. So it sounds like your whole childhood experience connects back to today in terms of work, know, work, work, at, work ethic and loving marketing and loving companies that come up with great ideas and helping them tell their story and sell more of their products. I mean, it's a turn on to be able to help a brand. And in the computer business, you know, you're dealing now with, as the world evolves, Hewlett Packard and IBM and so many big brands, Cisco, and working with them in their corner and them inviting you into their headquarters to dream up campaigns on how to sell it 
to your customer base, to our customer base, you know, that was a big deal. And that experience is really what led to what we're doing now. Also, at these companies, we, when the time was right, Amazon opened up the marketplace. Mm -hmm. And we were one of the first resellers on Amazon. And that was a time where Amazon would talk to us on the phone and, you know, it it sent us to sell the stuff on Amazon. And that was when you also had to be in parity. So you had to sell whatever you sold on your own website. You had to sell the same assortment on Amazon. Thank God they took that away because that really made it a little difficult. And yeah. You couldn't sell it for the same. You, you had to sell it for the same price. But I was one of the first sellers, you know, back in the day on Amazon, and it was the Wild West for sure. And they definitely evolved. And now Walmart is a little like the Wild West, and we see that growing. Still nowhere near Amazon, but for me, it's incremental. And I do think that there's going to be some legs there because they're spending yeah. a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, I always say uh, the only constant in this business is change. So everything else is. Is always up. So this is great, Adam. So give us your contact information, how people can reach out and connect with you and also your agency. Sure. So please, anytime, whether it's a question just to ask or if you want to just talk something through, um, it, it, it's free. I love to talk to people in the industry. It's a, to me, it's a big turn on. Um, you can reach me at phelpsunited.com. There's a contact form. You can just put in and put a note saying, want to talk to Adam or any of our team members, or you can come email me at adam.shafefer, that's adam.shafer at phelpsunited.com, or come visit me on LinkedIn, um, Adam Schaefer, and you'll see me at Phelps United, or come to our LinkedIn site. Great. Thank you, Adam. I mean, you've been around, you've seen it all. And so you're, you're, anybody listening, you're dealing with a, with an ultimate expert here. He's, there isn't much he hasn't seen. So thank Nick, you. I got, Nick, I got a question for you. You know, you know, sure. when we first talked, you, you told me to listen to some of the podcasts and I did, and they were great. I, I loved uh, the Riverbend woman. She was awesome. I, say, I definitely know that company, but I listened to your first podcast and you talked about a product that you were selling for five ninety nine, and that you, you know you sold twenty, then you sold fifty, then you sold a hundred, then you did a, a shipping promo, and it blew your doors off on Sunday night. You didn't know what to do with all the orders. You had ten, you know, twenty pages of orders, like a thousand orders. What was the product, man? What was it? Oh my God! You know, you didn't, you didn't tell I us, and the, you, you, well, you didn't say it. <laughs> well, I didn't want anybody else selling it. So no, this was. <laughs> So no, what you know what it is? That product, I kept it on my desk for nine years, never to forget that day. So the product was a men's cologne, one ounce bottle of gray flannel. A gray flannel, and it was your own brand? No, no, gray flannel. Gray, oh, gray flannel, the brand. Okay. Yeah, so you had a, a third brand. party brand. Okay. Yeah, and it's a it's a one ounce small bottle. That's dark green. You can't see what's inside. And it's, of course, it's the holidays. So it's wintertime. And gray flannel is, is a scent for winter. So I just, we were selling and I was dealing with a distributor, a major distributor. They would give me their feed of what's in stock. And and at the, I mean, I this story is... And, and, you were, and you were selling FBM at the time, right? It yes, wasn't FBM. 
Yes, because there was no FBA for fragrance because fragrance is, is categorized as hazardous. So we were doing our own fulfillment. And But what made it work was the perfect storm. I had just, this is year 2008, just as the financial meltdown uh, had occurred and we are in the aftermath, but we don't know what's coming our way. I had just raised money, moved to Long Island, created a distribution center, and we were about to launch. And the software company that created our e-commerce site, they were, they were delayed. So, and then shopping season arrives. We have no show, software system, no backend. Uh, we've got development in the works and I have this product. And I, of course, being entrepreneurial, let's create a promotion. So I put out a free shipping coupon, free shipping coupon for a $5.99. The price was $5.99. Oh my God, we got a thousand orders over a weekend. Wow. Uh, and and you and then you distributed and have enough to back you up. No, what happened? I so I come to work. Of course, first of all, our, our my archaic way of pr- processing the orders it completely blew up. Mm-hmm. So I was up until four or five in the morning trying to put purchase orders together. And then the next thing, and we were also doing just in time inventory. So I didn't have whatever we sold. It was not in stock physically. I would order it and they would ship it the same day right. or the next day. So uh, so anyway, I come to work Monday morning. I called the, the, the account guy and I said, uh, Aaron, his name was Aaron. Aaron, I need 2,000 pieces of this item. So he goes, 2,000 pieces? He says, we don't have 2,000 pieces. I said, okay, I'll take whatever you have. How many do you have? He says, we've got 49. Yeah, and you had to cancel all those orders, and you got stung by Amazon. We had no way of canceling 950 orders. It was a a batch deal where I couldn't cancel anything. And I thought, okay, what do we do? And we were set up to print uh, labels. Shipping labels, you know, fairly batch processing shipping labels that we were able to do. Uh, and so I thought, I mean, they, they, they said we were suspended for six weeks. Yeah, I mean, crazy. And we, at, at one of my companies um, called PC Mall, it was a very similar item. There was a, a tablet that was um, regularly $499, and the HP discontinued it. It was like a a web OS. It was not selling absolute dog. It was never going anywhere, but they all of a sudden lowered the price to 99 to liquidate the inventory. So we had it on Amazon and all of a sudden our systems turned off and we weren't the only ones, but we took such an influx of orders because it would come from Amazon to us, it blew us up. We couldn't keep up with the orders that Amazon was feeding us. And it happened to Barnes and Noble, who was selling the same product and a few other resellers. We blew up thousands and thousands and thousands. There wasn't enough of these. And we were begging HP, you got to make more, but we're selling it at 99. This is $499. And Amazon was pissed, pissed. But we did work our way through it with them. And they did, you know, that was a time when you can work with them. Now you're, you're, you're going to be off. Well, I mean, uh, it was a, they as actually assigned, it was one of the best things that happened. Well, you know, making lemonades out of lemons is, is what you do when you're running a business or building a business. So uh, one of the key decisions I made in life 
uh, I had two really good people on my team. And uh, they said, we've got Amazon on the phone. They actually called because our negatives shot up to 35%. And uh, I said, who is that? And I said, she says she's the category manager, wants to talk to us. So I said, okay, I don't want to talk to her, not because I'm hiding, but anything I say to her will be final because I own the company. Mm-hmm. So we need to have some kind of layer in the in our dealing so that we can have some room to wiggle to wiggle right with with, with whatever we need to do or what we need to say so i i said just tell her this we are aware of the problem we know what happened what went wrong and and just take our word for it we're working on it and we'll be one of the best sellers on amazon so now tell us some things that we you would like us to do while we are putting in place a long-term solution. So from that, the relationship, I mean, they kept us off for six weeks, but every week we had a call reviewing numbers. And then also uh, I kept, I told my guys, every call you tell her, we intend to be one of the top sellers on Amazon. So year and a half down the road, I said, and we kept the relationship. And I said to my, my guys, ask her, how much more can we do? You know, having come as far as we did, how much more can we do? How much room is there at Amazon? And her answer was, your progress was beyond any imagination we had. Okay, to that's awesome. We are very uh, appreciative of what the effort you made and how far you've come. Um, you can go as far as you want to go, even further. Uh, you know, they don't want to tell you anything. I was asking what is market right. size. But you know what they did? And those days, you will remember, it was never part of their practice. They would send out the Amazon email for, you know, you may be interested in the following products. They would never put the seller's name. They would just list the product. Mm-hmm. They include us in that email with our seller name that's great so you made a friend yeah oh yeah i mean to this day i have a relationship so uh it was one of the best things but anyway thank you for asking take take, take a picture of that gray flannel and put a poster up on your wall oh my god i you know you, you, you gave me an idea but i i kept that freaking bottle on my desk for nine years that's a brilliant story. Well, I mean, that's a life-changing story. So it's, great. It is. It is. Great. Well, this was great. You got yep. me. That, next time I'll tell you about nail glue. But uh, we, we, sell, we sell thousands of nail glues. I'll tell you another story next time. But thanks for having me on your show. I love talking about this stuff. I'm passionate about it. And you're, you're a great person to, you know, dialogue with on this. Oh, thank you, Adam. Thank you. So, uh, and this brings us to the end of another episode. And uh, I'll see you on the next one. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Be sure and subscribe, rate, and review our show. And be sure and share an episode with a friend. And thank you so much for being with us today. We'll see you next week here on Amazon Legends.